Welcome back. It's Heather Roberts and Veronica Adams, and we are here with For Book's Sake. Yes. Yes. For Book's Sake. For Book's Sake. And today uh, we are talking about KU versus Wide. Kindle yes. Unlimited versus Wide. <sighs> the age-old debate. Yes. Or at least the, the Kindle Unlimited age-old debate since Kindle yeah, Unlimited Yeah, ever, ever since existed. Kindle Unlimited came into existence. Yes. And you know, there's just so there's there's a lot to unpack here because it seems like a very simple question. Like, do you want to mm-hmm. go KU exclusive or do you want to distribute wide, which is meaning on all platforms for right. those that don't know? Right. Um, and you know, the tried and true method is a lot of people say, Oh, just dump your books into KU, especially if you're a newbie author. And there is a very valid argument for that. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're a new author and you do not have any type of audience yet, it would make sense to put your books directly into Kindle Unlimited because there's an audience, a ready-made audience for you, people actively searching for books in, you know, likely in your genre. Mm -hmm. The chance of finding readers faster is there. The the ROI is faster with Kindle Unlimited. The problem comes into play with with the money. <laughs> mm, yeah. So and, and long term. Right. But before we dive into that and start parsing out the layers of this onion and all of the nuance, I'm thinking let's back up one second and like sure. do the 50,000 foot overview of like Kindle Unlimited. So um, assuming that someone who is an aspiring author who has yet to publish is now listening to us chat about this. Yeah. Um, this explanation is for you. I think a lot of other people who could benefit from our content already understand the debate and and the topic. But sure. if you're new to the idea of publishing or have just published for the first time or handful of times, Kindle Unlimited is Amazon's subscription-based publishing platform um, that requires exclusivity. So if you opt into the Kindle Unlimited program when you publish your book, you are not allowed to publish that book anywhere else. You are locked in for 90 days, 90 day cycles at a time. Right. Which um, by the way, they call KDP select. Yes. Yes. So uh, when you're in your KDP dashboard on Amazon, KDP select is Kindle unlimited. Yes. Um, and the alternative to that, which we will also be discussing is the option to publish your book in multiple locations. Um, Amazon, Apple, Barnes and Noble, Google play, Smashwords, Kobo, uh, everywhere Kobo and Plus's everywhere program, which we'll talk about as part of this too. But yeah, putting your book up in as many places on as many retailers as you can find. That's the alternative that we refer yes. to as publishing wide. Yeah. So, and there, there are pros and cons to doing both. And even right. if you are, so let's talk about, we'll talk about the new author first, and then yeah. we'll dive into the already established author right. who may have already made some choices and yes. maybe wants to make some other choices. Yes. Um. So, like, I, yeah, like I was saying before, I think it was yes, very smart. Let's do that that, that worldview there, because <laughs> everyone knows we're talking about. Well, right, we're in it every day, right? Yeah. So, like for you and I, this is a typical like workday chit chat. Not everybody comes to the table with the same knowledge. Absolutely. Have, so I just Absolutely. wanted to clear that up. So now very that I've valid. That, dive right back in. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> not at all. I very valid. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's, the question is, are you, what are you looking for? Like, what are you looking for? How long are you planning to make this a career? Mm. Um, Do you want this to be 
do you want to be a Kindle Unlimited author? Do you eventually want to move wide? Right. Um, some people don't. Some people love the Kindle Unlimited program, want to stay in the Kindle Unlimited program. Mm-hmm. That is valid. Um, some people, though, just want to get their books out there, get it in the hands of as many readers as possible with the plan that, oh, maybe one day I'll move wide. Right. And why is wide better? It, I'm using quotes. You can't see right. it if you're listening, but it's it's not better or worse, but there some authors will tell you it is. So, <laughs> I'm just trying. Well, and, Listen, and we're going to cut the bullshit depend, here. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. But it we're, ultimately depends on your goals. Some people, yes. listen, uh, there are people out there who think that what really matters is having brand recognition, being a list maker, you know, a, yes. a, a USA Today bestseller, which is no longer an option, a New York Times bestseller, a Wall Street Journal bestseller. Yes. Um, those people who believe that accolades and um, praise are the most important things probably going to tell you to publish wide no matter what, because the only way to get to where they think is a valuable place to be is to publish is wide. wide. Uh, me, I'll be honest, I would take money all day. I every like day. money. I like yes, money a lot. I am, I am motivated by money. And if you want to make money, there's some arguments for doing either. Honestly, yes, there is. Um. And it's but, a much more nuanced discussion. And But yes. And if you're a newer author, your money is going to come faster in Kindle in Unlimited. KU. Yeah. Unless, unless lightning strikes or the book talk gods decide to, you know, fall upon your feet, mm-hmm. um, the money is going to come much faster to you in Kindle Unlimited. Yes. Uh, subject to at least one caveat I can think of, which is what are you writing? Correct. That's a very so, good point. Yeah. I think that's also a consideration. There are some uh, genres, genres yeah. of romance, especially, that tend to do much better wide than yes. in KU. There are some genres that are almost exclusively in KU that you can barely find wide. And so yep. readers who are going to buy your books are conditioned to look for them in KU. So absolutely, that's an important consideration as well. It, it really is. And so that's something you, these are all things that you have to consider when you're trying to decide, do I want to go KU mm-hmm. or wide? What, what is your book? I mean, that's, you have to figure out the content of your book first. Yeah. Go and look and see where they live. Yeah. Where do other books like yours live? Do they live wide? Do mm-hmm. they, do they live in KU? Do they live in both places? And right. if they do live in both places, are there other nuances about the titles that mm-hmm. lend more towards Kindle Unlimited or more towards wide. Right. Um, because you, yes, you want to be unique and you want to stand out. But I, again, I like money and so do you. And yeah. so if you're trying to make money, you want to put your book in the place where it has the best chance of being found by people yes. who actually want to read it. Yes. Um, so that's definitely when you're looking at your title, that's what you need to consider. So yeah, KU has a faster ROI. I think I've said that, what, four times in seven minutes, but it it does. Because it bears repeating. Bears repeating. But so wide though, gives you the opportunity to be present and available to all types of readers, you know, a a variety of different kinds of readers. Um, And those people arguably, Um, and I think a lot of authors would agree with me on this, can become loyal readers to you faster than a KU Mm -hmm. reader. And that is simply because they are putting actual dollars and cents into purchasing your book. Right. 
And yeah, let's talk about that for a second, because the KU model is subscription based. You pay a flat fee every 30 days or 31 days, depending on 28 days, depending on how long the month (laughs) is. And you have unlimited access to every title in the program. You can borrow up to 10 at a time. I mean, it it really is unlimited reading in the sense that if you have the time to do the reading, you can read as much as you want to for a flat fee. Yes. And uh, royalties are earned based on pages read. So you're going to make a portion of the Kindle Unlimited fund every month in royalties based on how many pages total from your catalog have been read by Kindle Unlimited users. Yes. Versus... Selling your books wide and having people who are literally plopping down $4.99, $5.99, $6.99, $9.99. Whatever it is, yeah. Individual titles on the platform of their choice as you publish them. So there's more of an investment in your individual books. And for a reader who connects with your stories, a, a faster or greater chance of building brand loyalty from those readers yes. on those platforms. Absolutely. And yep. you have a, you have a higher likelihood that they'll sign up for your newsletters and things mm-hmm. like that, and come back and be repeat customers, right? Uh, to you, but getting them is the hard part. That's the trick. That's and the it is trick. A challenge compared to Kindle Unlimited. Yes, because you have to think about it. the the Kindle Unlimited reader isn't risking anything to try your book. They exactly. already have the subscription, so they're going. If it's in Kindle Unlimited, oh, I'll download and try it. Uh, you know, if I don't like it after 10, 20, 30 pages, I can put it down and move on to something else. No harm. Absolutely. No but if you've actually put dollars and cents out on a title and you start reading it and you don't love it anymore, uh, you know, it makes it a harder pill to swallow. Right. Um, which is why then, you know, you get returns and that's a whole other conversation to be had. Oh. But <clears throat> we, we could do an entire episode on the uh, the book return thing. Yeah, we really could. Um, and perhaps we should. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, just like any other media that you download or watch or movies, et cetera, on Amazon, you shouldn't be able to return an item after a certain percentage yeah. that you've consumed yeah. it. You just shouldn't. Yeah. Um, but uh, the anyway. return policy notwithstanding, you get a greater psychological investment from wide readers because they have to pay per title rather than paying that flat subscription fee and not being nearly as financially invested in what you've written. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, for long-term growth, an author who's looking at the long game and Mm -hmm. also where they have a title, they have books, maybe a series that uh, they have an idea for that they think has good wide marketability, then yeah, maybe you should go wide. Yeah. Uh, but you have to plan for that. You have to absolutely plan that, you know, you need to find some sales. <laughs> you need to market yourself. You need to talk about your books. Mm-hmm. You need to, and you need to do this, obviously, anyway. But with wide, it is a much higher entry point, as we were yes. saying. So yes. that's why it is so important, uh, especially if you only have one or two books out and you can't do some of the other promotional things uh, that people with a large backlist can do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so imperative that you just speak about your books as much as you can, Absolutely. wherever you can. <laughs> Absolutely. No. And I think it's important to know that that the real growth for wide comes as more of a marathon effort rather than a sprint. Yes. You, you can get to that profitability faster in KU, as you've already pointed out, 
for a, an author who's publishing wide or for an author who maybe is um, approaching things hybrid and has some books in KU and is trying to go wide for the first time with a new series, it is definitely not something that's going to happen quickly. And you're going to have to invest a lot of time in talking about your book and some money in marketing them as yeah. well. Pay-per-click ads, newsletter features, all sorts of things that you need to find those non-Amazon readers correct. specifically. Correct. So that's something to talk about. So let's talk about now the author who has made choices. Maybe they're in Kindle Unlimited and they want to go wide with right. their, with a series or maybe their whole brand. Sure. So if you have every single book in Kindle Unlimited, I do not recommend just taking every single book out of Kindle Unlimited and making it wide. <laughs> If you would like to see your profits go from whatever they are to nothing, you can do mm -hmm. that. Go, go for it. Yeah. But don't, don't do that. We want to test the waters. That is literally what the phrase test the waters means. Right. Right. And build this up over time. Because uh, like we were saying, wide is a marathon and not a sprint. So if you have a series that you think is good for wide, I would put it wide. And then start promoting it. Maybe do a first and free. Yes. Because you can yes. now do first and free on. Try to get a, a book bub deal on that book one or something. Yes. Like you, you've really got to push that out there at a discount. Even if you don't make it free, make it 99 cents. Do yeah. something. Make it a loss leader. Exactly. To get those readers on those new plat new to you platforms, Correct. the non-Amazon platforms invested in the series as, as quickly and cheaply as you can. Right. And so it's the same concept that Kindle Unlimited uh, has where mm -hmm. readers are willing to take that chance because they're not really investing much. Exactly. It's the same idea with a loss leader on a wide book. You, readers are willing to take the chance on you and to try you. And if they like you, mm -hmm. they may buy the rest of your series, Right. Um, which is called conversion sales. Uh, we're just teaching terms here. <laughs> so, but I have to remember, not everybody knows this stuff. So exactly. this exactly. is, you know, this is why we're here and, and, and why we're talking about it. Um, because we don't really hear a lot The the industry, the romance industry, the publishing industry, all the just publishing industry as a whole, there's a lot of gatekeeping in the industry. Yes, for sure. There really is. There and really is. I don't think a lot of it's malicious. Um, I, I don't. I mean, I think some people are like, you know, I you don't want to know what I know. Blah blah blah. I think well, I'm yeah, sure there's you know some what? of that. I, I've always seen it as sort of like self protectionist, right? Yeah. Like if it's almost like I don't know hazing or something. Like you just expect new people to the industry to figure it out for themselves because you had to. So yeah, I had to people, do it. So you have to do it. Exactly. Too. So a lot of people are just kind of closed off about sharing their knowledge with others. And I know right. that that's not necessarily the case for everyone, but there is quite a bit of that that happens. There is quite a bit of that. And so, yeah, that's definitely, I, I think it's the nature of the industry. Um, mm -hmm. People also think that some authors are of the opinion that, you know, you can't share readers. Let me just tell you, you can share readers. There's, there's plenty of readers to go around. That's right. Um, you know, readers, especially romance readers are very, very prolific in their reading. Like they yes. read a lot. Um, so if they're reading your book, they're probably reading mm -hmm. a whole lot of other authors. Um, yes. And so anyway, this information is out there. It's just sometimes hard to find. Uh, yes. So that is yes. our goal. One of our goals with this podcast is to try to make it a little bit more accessible mm -hmm. um, to newbie authors. Uh, so if you know all this stuff, sorry. Um, yeah. <laughs> 
That's where we're going to break it down though. Thanks for sticking with us. Yes. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks for hanging out. Um, As as we attempt to just girl boss and not gatekeep. Yeah. (laughs) Girl boss. That's another one. Anyway. (laughs) I couldn't help myself. Listen, I'm all sugared up. Okay. 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 Fair. Fair. You have to know, so this is our second time trying to record this podcast, uh, this particular episode. We had some technical difficulties yesterday, and so we are just, like, fired up today. And, uh, yeah, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But back to the topic at hand. (laughs) Talking about you. Yeah, so you want those conversion sales. Back to to that. Yes, yes. Um, Your loss loss leader, whether you're giving it away for free because you can afford to do that or you've got a 99 cent first in series is your your inducement to get readers off of Amazon to invest in you and give you a shot. So yeah, it's a it's a hard choice to make. um, Because you know, I've had clients and I'm sure you have too Mm -hmm. who take books out of KU put them in put them wide and then immediately have panic attacks because nothing's moving. Yes. Um, and then they're like, I want to throw everything back in Kindle Unlimited. And sometimes you have to. Sometimes yeah. you're like, listen, if you're not willing or able, sometimes it's not willing, sometimes it's able um, to invest uh, what needs to be invested into mm-hmm. the brand at this particular time to make yes. wide work for you, then you shouldn't have been, then put them back in Kindle Unlimited. Yeah. No, it's do that. It would, it would be lovely if it was possible to make this switch and run that marathon on a shoestring and a prayer. But the, the bottom line is you have to be able to invest. And the idea is to invest what you can and then grow that, right? Yes. That you will see a positive rate of return and you will have the ability to invest even more. And then suddenly the marathon is is no longer a speed walk. It's a comfortable jog. And then you're actually running the damn thing. Yeah. Um, but if you can't invest in the beginning, you are more conservatively protecting your royalties and your profits by staying in KU or putting things back in KU. Right. Right. For and sure. It, it just makes sense. I mean, yeah, your, your pageries are going to plummet obviously because well, um, yeah. they don't exist anymore. Exactly. Um, and if that's where all of your profits are coming from, then you need to be cognizant of that before you make that mm-hmm. choice right. um, and understand that that's something that you're going to have to, suffer through for mm-hmm. maybe four to six months before yeah. you can really start to build that back up to the same level uh, right. that it was at. Now, like we were saying, there are benefits to being wide. One, um, BookBub tends to like wide books a little better um, when they're picking the features as, that they're going to be giving out. As someone who routinely submits for feature deals on behalf of authors for whom I've been authorized to do that kind of work, I cannot stress to you how much easier it is to get selected for a feature deal if you're asking for one on a wide book rather than a book that's in KU. Yeah. It is sometimes 10 times easier, maybe more than 10 times easier. Their selection criteria is just very uh, rigid and they tend not to to prefer books that are in Kindle Unlimited. Yeah. They did. That's how it is. Yep. And and I can understand that because they're trying to reach a wide audience and their sure. audience tends to buy on all different platforms. So they mm-hmm. want to have the largest availability, right. uh, you know, for their they're, audience. And I their business it. model is to monetize not only these feature deals, but also pay-per-click ads that they sell. Mm-hmm. And those ads uh, arguably make them more money when they're reaching readers on all platforms and not just readers on one platform. Correct. 
So yeah, I feel them. I get it. You know, it is what it is. But so you should be aware of that too, if you're going for a feature deal. Um, Also, like Veronica was talking about before with the accolades and the lists and, Mm -hmm. you know, rest in peace, uh, USA Today bestseller list, um, you know, that they claimed may be coming back. It's not coming back. It's just not coming back. It's a sad, sad thing. Um, But for those of you who earned the letters, congratulations. You yeah. have something that most authors behind you will probably never get. Exactly. It's, uh, yeah. And so that creates a whole other, you know, people were like, oh, you were buying your letters and all that. Well, now you can't mm-hmm. even buy letters, okay? That's right. You can't buy them. It's not um, buying them. It's just marketing. It's just marketing. And also, here's the other thing. New York Times is such, for those that don't know, <laughs> The New York Times list is a curated list. And what does that mean? That means editorial selections pay, play a very large part in what comprises yes. the list. It does not have to do with numbers. That's what it nope. means. Nope. It means that you can sell 10,000 or more books than somebody else on the list in a week. We're talking so the list runs there are there are week, weekly runs. Right. Um so that's why books are traditionally published books and those going for a list are released on Tuesdays because um, Mondays the pre-orders drop and they get counted. And then Tuesday is when the new release is. Right. And then it runs um, through, what is it, Sunday? Your your sales are counted pre-orders on Monday plus sales Tuesday through Sunday. Tuesday through Sunday. Yes. So that's the week that we're talking about when we're yes. talking about bestsellers week. So it is not strictly numerical. The USA Today bestsellers list was numerical. It had to do yes. with how many books were sold. Yes. And that's why that was such a big deal and why people really cared about that list. <clears throat> and why we're also sad to see it go because it it really was raw numbers. If you sold this many books, you made the list. Right. Um, and for those wondering, at times it was, you could get on the list with 5,000 books sold in a week. I once had a client who was in the 4,000s because it was, I was a low say, week. I've, yeah. I've seen it done under 5,000 in the past. I have seen it as well. But, you know, low, obviously you're hitting low on the list, but right. you're still hitting the list. The um, list is the list. The list is the list. And it all matters what else is being released that week, right? So right. because you're being compared with other books being released that week. So it really mattered what book was being released. It mattered like what other books were releasing mm-hmm. around you. If you were trying to hit the list, there was so much strategy and timing and yep. all of that for the USA Today bestseller list. And no one really, you, you, I mean, you can try to get on the New York Times list, right? But number one, <clears throat> they changed the rules for the New York Times list. Mm-hmm. Um several years ago now uh, to make it much harder for indies to be able to reach the list uh, because they made it so that you had to include paperbacks where paperback sales were now a component of their magical formula are not uh, arranging for some sort of paperback distribution as an indie you are up a creek without a paddle as far as the New York Times is concerned. And it's, yeah, and it wasn't just like Amazon paperback sales. They uh-huh. had to be physical bookstore paperback right. sales. The the paperbacks you see on the shelves in Books A Million and Barnes yes. & Noble and your local independent, who I yes. hope you are supporting regularly. Yes, you should. Um, but that, that aside, yes, you have to have a, a specific distribution agreement. And there are some indie authors who figured it out. 
Yeah. Um, they've, they've really cracked that particular portion of the business on their own and they're doing beautifully with it. Uh, but for the average indie, that's unattainable just based on volume of sales and, you know, there's, uh, there's the a lot average that goes royalties into that. for an ebook. Yeah. Yes, there's a lot that yeah. goes into that. Um, and so, yeah, it is, it is unattainable from, for most indies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, also, like I was saying, the New York Times has to like you because it's a curated yes. list. So yes. it is possible to sell significantly fewer books than a competitor and end up on the Times list because a member of their editorial staff just loves you or your book or whatever the whatever case the may case be. Is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whatever the part of their magic ball, magical formula yes. it is that week. That's what happened. Exactly. Um, and so then there's the Wall Street Journal which is the only list that you can obtain if you um, are part of Kindle Unlimited. Yes. So if you are in Kindle Unlimited, it is very exciting because, well, one, you can go on the Amazon list. Amazon's came out with a list as well mm-hmm. um, and has started to do that. Oh, gosh. I'm. It feels like yesterday, but it was probably like six years ago when they started yeah. that list. Yeah. Uh, which is crazy. But... Um, but yeah, you can make the the Wall Street Journal uh, list being in Kindle Unlimited, which is very awesome. You do have to sell a lot of books to do that, though. Like a lot, like a lot. Books. We're talking like, like ten thousand. We're talking like yeah. ten thousand in a yeah. week. Like that's what we're talking about. It's doable. Yeah. Oh, I know. I've seen it. Susan Stoker does it. God bless her. Yeah. You know, cheers for Susan. I mean, yeah. and I've seen Tony Leo's made the list. Um, mm-hmm. I've seen other indie authors make the list and it's huge and amazing and awesome. She didn't make it in Kindle Unlimited, but um, Tony is what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I yeah, think yeah. Susan has. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's it's awesome to see authors make right. these these lists when you know what has to go into to them. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean... There's a lot that goes into those types of accolades. And if that's something that really matters to you, then that's, you know, you need to know the numbers, right? You need to know what to try to work towards and what you need to work up to. Exactly. Um, But there's also, if you're into accolades, there's a ton of awards that you could potentially get. Absolutely. Yeah, that you can apply for and submit your titles for um, and work on that as well mm-hmm. to get accolades within the industry. Absolutely. I think of Rita awards, for example, sure. um, with that is an award given by, um, the RWA, the romance writers yes. of America, um, Rita awards. So, and they, and they have several, uh, for, for different categories, different genres. I mean, yeah, if you're, if you're looking for the accolades specifically, the list uh, making a list isn't the only way to do that and right. you know you should be aware that your decision to publish exclusively with amazon or to publish wide has a bearing on your ability to make a specific list um but those things you well i shouldn't say usually it depends on the award there are some awards that are available only for books that are published wide um, off the top of my head, I can't think of any that are specifically for Kindle Unlimited books that aren't just, I, yeah, you know, Amazon's orange flag ranking bestseller yes. list internal thing, right? Right. Um, and listen, that that's often more about what books are making Amazon money than anything else. But yes, um, yeah. And listen, the yeah. orange flag is fun. It's lovely. The it's orange, great. The orange flag, it's, it, you get it when you're a bestseller in a category or 
um, you know, something to that effect. And number one new release or number, whatever. Yeah, number one new release. So fun. Um, and I think it'll matter a little bit more. I'm a little cynical because, listen, I've seen orange flags <laughs> for books that when people <laughs> used to be able to category strategize, um, they would put their books in a very small category. like Something tenuously connected to the plot. Like literally adjacent adjacent. And... <laughs> Like double adjacent. Yeah. And yeah. And then they would be this tiny little category and then they'd get an orange flag and then call mm-hmm. themselves a best-selling author. And you're yeah. like, are you though? And there's a whole Oh, come on now. Out. For those for, for anyone listening who's done that in the past, no shade. Like no, I mean it, it, it was available to you in the Amazon system. Good for you for using it to your advantage. Yeah, no, honestly, I don't care. Uh, but that right. is what people say. People yes. say like, you know, well, oh, are you, you know. Right. There are two schools of thought on that. There are yeah. the people who 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 dismiss it and would delegitimize it because you are using categories that are literally adjacent adjacent, as you said, to yes. the story itself. And then there are people, um, and I tend to fall into this camp myself, who are like, listen, if the rules say you can do that, good job. I hope you made a ton of money doing it. Right. And I think that that's actually something to talk about briefly here because yeah. we both came from the law. We both came from the legal world, right? Don't remind don't, I know. don't remind me. This is bad. This is this is relevant. Those days so firmly behind. Me. This is relevant. So we yeah. had to follow rules every single lots of day. Them. Lots of rules and lots of ethical rules. Yes. So because not only did we have to follow the legal, like the law to the letter, yeah. but we also had ethical rules that we had to follow as attorneys um, or, you mm-hmm. know, or potentially be brought up with the, the grievance commission in our particular yes. state. Yes. Only nine lawyers in the country who don't have ethics rules. Yes. So... <laughs> So, Sorry, that's another podcast in another That's itself. a different podcast. <laughs> yes, we can get into that too. Um, but yes, there's ethical rules that you have to follow. Mm-hmm. In this industry, it is not the same. And so while you may be upset that something seems maybe unethical right. or in, like morally gross gray. or gray, uh-huh. if it's not actually going over the line of terms of service, yep. then it's allowable. And so and you're, you're going to see it a lot in publishing yeah. because it's such an unregulated industry. Yeah. it's. I mean, we're self-governing basically outside of the scope of intellectual property law. Correct. And so that was really wild for me to wrap my head around when we got mm-hmm. ourselves into this industry. Yep. And a lot of people do govern themselves with a high moral ground. But you have to know if you're doing that, that there are going to be another camp of people who do not share that sentiment and are going to be governing themselves in the trenches. Based on what they can do without violating terms of service. Correct. And Uh, to make as much money as possible. With the goal being to make as much money Mm -hmm. as possible. And whatever it takes to do that, uh, that's what they're going to do. And I've had clients tell me, listen, I have been, you know, trying to do this the quote unquote right way for so many years and mm-hmm. I just can't do it anymore. I will, I'll do anything now. I don't care. Yeah. And like, honestly, I don't blame them. No. I don't blame them because we can have all of these, you know, highbrow 
is this ethical? Is this moral considerations about different topics in the publishing industry? But at the end of the day, if it doesn't violate terms of service and it makes money, it's someone's going to do it. Even if it does violate terms of service and it makes money, someone's going to do it. Like (laughs) how I, you and I could both name names and we won't, but we could of people who are no longer allowed to sell their books on Amazon. They have to sell Kindle copies direct from their own storefronts. Yes. Um, because they're no longer allowed to distribute books via Amazon Correct. due to a variety of terms of service violations in the name of boosting profits. Yes. Um, and they boosted profits for quite some time. And they're still making probably pretty good money yeah. selling direct to the customer off of their own merch stores and, and bookstores too. Because when they were big, they were really, really big. Um. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, that's, Yeah. I know exactly yep. what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. And that and and that's going and to I, happen at different junctures. Like where where there is a set of rules or something that you are allowed to do, there are going to be people who push the boundaries of that and try to find ways around the rules to benefit themselves. Right. Period. So as you're if you're a new author entering this industry or if you've been in this industry in a long time and you relate to what we were just talking about, yeah. you know, just you have to, you know, take a take a step back for a second, look at yourself and say, what am I what am I comfortable with? Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you have to be comfortable with it. Right. Um, you know, it's your name, it's, it's your brand, it's right. your business. You have to be comfortable with it. Uh, you have to go to sleep at night. You have to look at yourself mm-hmm. in the mirror. And if you're not comfortable with it, don't do it. Yeah. If you are, as long as it's legal, go make your money. Absolutely. Go make your money. Absolutely. Um, it's taken me a <laughs> A long while to to really wrap my brain around that. It really has. Um, but it is what it is. And it's a little like wild, wild west uh, in the publishing industry. Because like as you know, Monica I, was saying, it's self-governing. I think it's it actually makes it somewhat exciting. So the self-governing thing is, is a double-edged sword, right? Like yeah. you see a lot of people doing things that you might not necessarily want to do from a moral or ethical standpoint, but also... I'm always fascinated by the people who maybe set aside some of the moral and ethical stuff just to see how far they can push boundaries too, because like it's exciting. It is to see what people think of. Yeah. Yeah. It it does allow for massive bursts of creativity. Absolutely. And I'm always impressed by someone who noodles that out to their own benefit, even if it ends up having a bad look after the fact, because like from a business standpoint, how creative. How, exactly. <laughs> it, you know, ingenuitive, how thoughtful, um, maybe not the best course of action morally or ethically, but like a plus for creativity. Ex- exactly. And so I think some people though also are hesitant about doing something that's new or different out there because they're mm-hmm. afraid of how it's going to be perceived in the industry sure. or, or sure. what have you. And listen, you there are levels of behaving badly in this industry that you cannot come back from. Um, it's true. You know, that is very true. We've seen it. We've seen people run out of the industry. Um, I'm a firm believer that there's no such thing as cancel culture. And I don't mean for this to yeah. be preachy or political in any way, shape or form. I just think that uh, if, if you behave badly, there's a level of accountability that you have to be held to for that. And, and that's because this right. is a self-governing industry. There are a lot of people out there who are happy to hold you accountable for your bad choices. Exactly. And so I think that that's my, that's my point there. If you're thinking about doing something, you know, certainly you can go and do it. 
But mm-hmm. don't be surprised if there are consequences for your actions. Exactly. Um, you know, it might be legal, but some people might not agree with you. And, you know, yeah. you, get, yeah. you don't get to choose your consequences. Um, Listen, if, if you plagiarize, obviously. Right. Those are things that you, you it, can't it, come back to, from as soon as, as soon as we find out that's what you've been up to, see you later. <laughs> don't let the door hit you on the way out. Right. Um. You're just kind of creatively moving the lines on what you're allowed to do, publishing here, there, or everywhere. Um, or if you have a new marketing some, idea. Yeah. 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 There are going to be some people who are jealous that they didn't think of it. There are going to be some people who don't think you should do it because they have an established, you know, set of rules in their own head for how it's done or how it should be done. And then you be some people who are like, I'm going to do that too. Yeah. It's just the way it is. Exactly. Um, you're not going to yeah. please everyone. If, if you're going to fool around with those boundaries, y- there may be consequences for that, for sure. Absolutely. For sure. Yeah. And I mean, then there's, you know, then there's generally authors behaving badly that you can't come back mm-hmm. from. Like when recently that author on TikTok who, you know, blasted a four-star reviewer and called her a bitch. Um, audacity. I mean. Be- Listen. Uh, l- let me just get that out out right now. Reviews are for other readers. They're not yes. for you as the author. No, they are they're not. They're really not. Don't read I them. I mean, y- if you can't control y- yourself, don't read them. You can use them to try and improve your craft, but understand that you're never going to make everyone happy. Ever. Ever. You cannot write a book for everyone. Yep. It's impossible. So reviews are really for the readers. Um, or at least I believe that they are. I mean, they are. Absolutely. And you shouldn't, if you can't, if right. you don't have that level of thick skin, do not read them. Hire and somebody else go, to read them. Don't go on social media and put the reviewer on blast because you're oh. offended that they didn't like your book to the level you expected them to. I mean, yeah. And then, and then her, her hybrid quote unquote publisher, her vanity press dropped her, Yeah, which how bad do you have to be in order for your vanity press to drop you? I mean, that is, that is for anyone who doesn't know what a vanity press is. Typically a vanity press is a publishing house where you as the author pay for the privilege of having the publishing house publish your work for you. Correct. Um, You're not typically in a really great financial position in terms of profitability in that situation. Um, That is a very nice way of saying that. Yes. And it is. I, tr- listen, I try to be diplomatic. You do. <laughs> listen, vanity press. There are different, just like anything else, there are different levels of vanity presses. That's true. You know? That's true. So there are vanity presses that are absolutely horrific. And then there are vanity presses who will actually give you what you are paying for. Yes. Um, this one seemed to be one that was at least giving people what they were, you know, promised. Yes. Um. But at the end of the day, she still paid them $9,500 to put her book on Amazon and give her a cover and, you know, some other she items did, and proofread and edit and formatted things like that. and edited yeah. and published a book and bought a cover for way less for, than $9,500. Yeah. But that's right. But a lot of people her don't bus- know her that. business decision. And that's her business yeah. decision. And there is yeah. a market for people that just want to say, here's this and mm-hmm. go, go do it for me. And that, that, that's like, what we do. That's, what, that, yeah. that's literally what we do. So I'm not yeah. trying to throw stones at a press for doing that either. It's just, you know, 
Um, it's not you can a publishing do it deal. For way less. <laughs> Just FYI. Right. And it, it's not a publishing arrangement that you might traditionally think of where there's, you know, you sell a manuscript and you get an yeah. advance and you have a ton of marketing behind you. Typically, you're paying to be published and to have the appearance yeah. of having been traditionally published. That's really what it is. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, I don't love them. Um, I would not recommend any of my clients using them because mm-hmm. you can do it all for way less um, yeah. and hire us and we'll, we're actually cheaper um, to significantly, <laughs> significantly. And we can hook you up with those people who aren't going to screw you. But you know, I was just thinking $9,500, maybe we're like, in the wrong business. I but. know, <laughs> I know, but that's another situation. Like, listen, I cannot agree with them uh, all day yeah. long, but they can exist in this market because they can. Sure. There's enough of a demand for them. I yeah. mean, that that's that's just it. Um, man. But yeah. We've kind of gone far afield of KU and wide. We have. But you know what? That's how it happens. <laughs> that's what it happens when you start talking about well, this industry. It, there's so many there's so many connective yeah, pieces. It's, it's, exactly. It's and it's all relevant ultimately. Because yeah. to go back to the original point, you know, when you decide or if you are in the process of making the decision about how you want to publish, whether you do want to try a KU, whether you are going to, to run the wide marathon as we've painted that picture, um, it has a direct impact on how you're going to make money and how you can earn accolades and um, the ways in which you might be creative or might not be able to be creative in order right. to protect your ability to make money selling your books. Exactly. Um, and I think, listen, talking about hybrid publishers, vanity presses, whatever you want to call them, is yeah. also relevant to this conversation because there is that third way of publishing that a lot of people – like there's traditional, there's indie, and then there's, a, you know – Hybrid. Yeah. Hybrid yep. the other way. Yep. And um, a lot of people don't talk about that and then they don't know what they are. Um, yes. And that also makes a difference if you're publishing wide or KU and who has control over your work. And mm-hmm. um, I think that's a whole other podcast to talk about who has control over your work and, yes. and traditional versus indie and, and all of that. Um, yeah, that's a whole different. I feel like we could ruffle some feathers with that one. We should do it soon. We should. <laughs> we should. Um, but yeah, I think it's a lot to consider. Mm-hmm. And at when you're talking about it, like we said at the beginning, Look at the books that you're trying to market and look where that, they live. That and the amount of time you have, your intention to invest time in your business writing. So yeah. if you are perhaps a mature author who, I don't know, you're maybe doing this um, as a second or third career or later in life, you don't necessarily have the kind of time to run the wide marathon. It might be more advantageous for you to lean toward KU unless you're writing a book that's not necessarily uh, published often or available widely in KU. Yeah. Um, Cause there is case, the, we didn't even talk about the KU cliff. I mean, mm-hmm. but just to throw it off, you want to expand on that yeah, really quickly, really quickly. Um, so the KU cliff is, after you've published a book in KU, it will have um, some movement in on release day. It's a new mm-hmm. book. They like new things over there. Yes, they um, do. <laughs> new and shiny. They're voracious. And, They've read everything else that's in the program. They need your new book and they need it now. Yes. So, and the Amazon algorithms will give you some love when mm-hmm. you first get in there. Um, and then you will fall off a cliff if you do not have any other... Um, 
advertising support going on. Uh, about three weeks, it changes. It used to be like five weeks, six weeks. Now it's about mm-hmm. three weeks. Your mm-hmm. book will, the, the ranking will essentially fall off a cliff, meaning that it'll yep. just start dropping in rank, just drop, 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 drop. And uh, you'll start to go to the basement of the rankings. And yeah, it's very frustrating. You can combat that by, guess what? Publishing a new book. And so why did, if you see authors releasing once a month, that's why. Uh, That's one of the reasons why. Trust me, if many of them didn't have to do that, they wouldn't. Um, well, and that's that's an important consideration for you as a creative too. When you're putting together your publishing schedule, if you are the kind of author who needs eighty to ninety thousand words to get a full, complete story written, you may okay. I guess I could argue this either way. If you publish a really long book in KU, you stand to make a pretty good chunk of money off of page sure. read royalties because you've got a lot of pages to earn page read royalties. But also. Yeah. It takes more time to write and edit and prepare to publish an 80 to 90,000 word manuscript versus a 40 to 50,000 word story, you know. And at that point, is it better to maybe do a duet and break it up and split it into two? Exactly. Exactly. And depending on how prolific you are, um, I think that also has an impact on how you make this decision. You know, if you're if you're only going to publish two or three times a year you're not going to be able to maintain the momentum necessary to be profitable in KU. Correct. Absolutely. Um, I mean, you might get more exposure and you might get more reads. Sure. um, But at the end of the day, you're not going to be able to, to make the, the living, if you will, Mm -hmm. off of your KU, uh, your your KU titles. Right. So, now, that doesn't mean you can't continue to just write more. And as you build a catalog, you're going to have more books available. And obviously, the ability to make more money goes along with that. Um, and I, I am familiar with authors who do just two or three books a year and still do well in KU because they have a great marketing strategy for that. Yeah. It's possible. It's possible. Um, but the best way to feed the Amazon algorithm is to churn and burn and publish frequently. Rapid and- release, baby. That is, that's, that's, that's what that's that wants the number you to do. one KU strategy is yeah. rapid release, churn and burn. And yeah. Amazon rewards you for that. It does. If that's not your writing style or it's not a business schedule that you can keep up. You might want to look at going wide. Yeah. That, that's something that you can, uh, you know, control a little bit more in that regard. Exactly. So. Exactly. All so much to talk about. We could talk about this for hours, but I think. Oh my God. I know. we? We're going to cut this down for today. And here I was at the beginning saying, well, we can talk about this topic if we do, if we run out of things to say. Here we are we 46 minutes later. I know. <laughs> I know. And I still haven't given you the evergreen marketing tip for this week. Yes. Oh, my gosh. All right. Hit us before, with it. before we wrap this up, let's let's give a, a little nugget of <laughs> evergreen marketing, not just our opinions on topics of the day. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about promotions and advertising. My evergreen marketing tip of the week is that you can arrange promos, newsletter placements, blog tours, social media, TikTok tours, Instagram blitzes. You can do all of these things. None of them are a substitute for pay-per-click advertising. Yes. Don't ever use promos as a substitute for advertising. Advertise first, supplement with promos. Absolutely. Good tip, Veronica. Thank you. (laughs) 
All right. And until next time, we will see you then. This has been For Book's Sake. For Book's Sake. (laughs) Take us out. Dance away. The bottom.